Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keynote, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It's April 1st, April Fool's Day on 2022. And unfortunately, it's not a particularly funny day. It certainly hasn't been uh, a funny week. Uh, earlier today, we talked with um, Jonathan Haskell, the author of Restarting the Future, How to Fix the, in the Intangible Economy. But the intangibility of things is being increasingly dominated by the idea of cyber war. There was a statement earlier this week by President Biden on the threat of cyber war. Are we ready for Putin's cyber war? Lots of podcasts are asking, including my old friend Kara Swisher at the New York Times. Um, as Biden puts the US on alert, Newsweek tells us Russia seeks talks to help to prevent cyber war. One wonders whether one really wants to talk to the Russians about this sort of thing. Uh, the real question, of course, and this is what the experts are asking, is what exactly cyber warfare means. And I have an expert, fortunately, on our show today. Uh, he's a general partner at Granite Hill Capital Partners who focus on cybersecurity, commercial applications, uh, and his name is Samit Mehta. He's a managing general partner. He has a very strong background in cybersecurity. He's been a CFO and CEO at a number of large companies. Uh, and I'm thrilled that he's joining us from just down the road. He is um, uh, he is on the bay, not literally, uh, as I speak. So he's a couple of miles from my home uh, in Ashbury uh, Terrace. Uh, Samit, welcome. Perhaps you might define what we should or could mean by cyber warfare. It's a word that gets thrown around a lot. And I think the majority of people, probably including Joe Biden, don't quite understand what it means. Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Um, and uh, it, it is at, a, at, a, at its simplest level, um, I, I think uh, ha having two objectives. One is to uh, capture data or exfiltrate data, um, information, useful information. And, uh, and then of course, um, the other side of it would be to disrupt, uh, the operations of an enterprise or a government. So, so that, that would be the two simplest definitions of what the objectives of cyber warfare are. And then there's of course, different techniques and methods to achieve those objectives. Do you think that, um, Biden was wise to, to talk so explicitly about the U.S.'s cybersecurity and the danger of cyber war over Ukraine? Yeah, I think it was wise just to um, increase uh, the popular consciousness of uh, how important cybersecurity is. Um, this was started way back when under Bill Clinton, in fact, and, and, and continuing the presence where they, they established a cybersecurity uh, advisory uh, position in the government. Um, and I even hosted, uh, I think it was General Clark uh, at the time uh, on a speaker series back in the 90s. Uh, and the idea was that 
so yes, I think to answer your question, it, it was wise just to raise the profile. Um, the, the, uh, the reason the profile needs to be raised is there needs to be less of an excuse, you know, for, for large companies to get breached. So for example, um, I don't know if you recall when Equifax, which is like one of the three big credit agencies yeah. in the United States, all of us, I mean, my information was out there, um, ever since that breach, um, there's been just a ton of, uh, I, I've gotten a ton of, uh, of, of personal, uh, I've had to change passwords, all this kind of stuff. And I, I don't think like Equifax really suffered any real consequence from that. Um, and, uh, and so, and I think it's just, uh, it, it, cybersecurity in the past was viewed as just another, um, you know, just another IT function. And it's just, okay, you, you don't want your computer to go down. You know, more recently, you don't want to be subject to ransomware, uh, where you're being, uh, you know, essentially blackmailed to, to pay some cryptocurrency to un unencrypt your hard drive and that type of thing. Um, but what happened here was really damaging. And I, I think it was not as high enough in the public consciousness that the media and, you know, it was a, it was a kind of a blip in the news. It was like, obviously you heard of it. But nobody knows like what happened. Uh, I don't even know if the CEO got fired. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, the more this is spoken about at the presidential level and at the top level, I think the better it is. I think it makes it makes for less of an excuse for companies to allow allow this to happen because I do think private companies that aren't fully secure become a national security issue. Some people argue um, that we are living in an age of cyber warfare. There was, of course, the uh, Russian, famous Russian 2007 cyber attacks on Estonia. Some people see that as the first genuine cyber war. There was the uh, Israeli Stuxnet attack on, on Iran, probably many others that we don't know about. Are we living in an age of cyber warfare? Is it a reality, even if for most of us, we don't really see it or understand it? It is. It is absolutely a reality. And um, and so think about the Stuxnet example and the Estonia example you just mentioned. That's just what we hear of. Uh, it, there's a lot of stuff that's that's happening behind the scenes, you know, uh, offensive and defensive or conversely defensive and also, you know, however you want to look at it. Um, there is uh, a live ongoing current um campaign on both offense and defense, I think across major powers. Um, and, uh, and occasionally it, uh, it achieves some, some public exposure, but yeah, it's ongoing and it's accelerating. Um, and we can get into some reasons why, but, uh, the short answer to your question is, is yes, a hundred percent. And it seems to be, if there's such a thing as a multipolar world, it seems to be multipolar. The Chinese, for example, have been accused yeah of launching cyber attacks on, on Ukraine before the Russian invasion. Um, are all nations now from China to Russia, to Iran, to Israel, to the United States, to the European Union, they all have cyber warfare departments, cyber warriors, cyber generals. Is that fair? Yes, that is fair. That is fair. Whether it's an explicit position or not, um, they all have it. They all need it. Um, some are, I think, more ahead than others. Um, 
And, uh, and, you know, this, this is a, in fact, one of my themes, I'm glad you even used that word is I think we are moving to a multipolar world. Um, you know, this, uh, current conflict in the Ukraine is highly highlighting that not just from the standpoint of, uh, of, of Russia, you know, kind of being for now, at least impervious to sanctions and doing, you know, what they want to do. But I think the bigger downstream effect of that is, um, you know, India and China, which is the largest democracy with India in the world, uh, two most populous countries, our largest trading partner, neither of them, and not, they're not friends with each other, and neither of them signed on to our UN condemnation of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Neither of them signed on to it. Um, and furthermore, um, we started we meaning American companies uh, did, you know, we, we, I think MasterCard or Visa started suspending some accounts. Uh, we started using our leverage with our uh, control of the SWIFT, uh, you know, international uh, payment systems uh, between banks. And I think those two things have highlighted to, you know, putting Russia aside, India and China, that they are going to start developing alternatives to what I think is going to be a dwindling U.S. hegemony in soft power. Uh, you know, India struck a deal with uh, with Russia on oil and, or, uh, and energy and arms. Um, China struck a deal with Saudi Arabia, who was apparently one of our big allies on um, pricing um, uh, oil and yuan. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be a more multipolar world. And, and as, as uh, there's going to be a continue transition to a multipolar world. And I think as part of that cyber or like, you know, you have all these things we, that I just talked about, whether it's currency payment systems, payment processing systems, this is all like IT based, right? A lot of this is information based. And, um, and so the offensive weapon in an information infrastructure is going to be, uh, you know, cybersecurity based. So, so me, um, we always imagine gray buildings in Moscow or St. Petersburg packed with right. hackers uh, employed by the Russian secret services. And I, in fact, I think when I was in St. Petersburg a few years ago, I even walked past one of those buildings. But I'm assuming there are similar buildings in Washington, D.C. and Delhi and Brussels and Berlin. And of course, Beijing. Are all governments now employing hackers to do their Cyber warfare is hacking, which was, of course, begun as a countercultural activity. We did a show a couple of weeks ago with John Markov, um, who's just written a book about Stuart Brand, one of the original uh, Silicon Valley hackers or representing the hacker ethic. Has it become part of the state, the hacker ethic? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and, and maybe even going back to your, your last pod, a uh, couple podcasts ago on the, the nowhere office, uh, I think with Julia, much, yeah. with Julia, yeah, it's going to be, a, it's, it's a lot, it's going to be a lot more distributed. You may not need that, you know, gray building to come up with research, to come up with techniques. You don't have to be in a bunker. Um, and so I do think, um, yes, there's two parts to your question. One is for sure hacking so to speak right or offensive cyber uh getting getting fluent in off offensive cyber uh capabilities um i hate to use this analogy it's no different than like real viruses right like 
you know, there's sometimes research into uh, uh, potentially harmful viruses uh, simply for the for the fact that even if you don't intend to hack, you need to be able to prevent someone else from doing the same thing. Um, so, yes, it's there. Um, I think the the bunkers, so to speak, are probably going to become a little more distributed um, as far as just, uh, you know, acquiring talent. Um, uh, to but do is there, a, is there um, we all know about the dark net, Samit. Mm-hmm. Um, is yeah. there a, a massive dark net for cyber warfare, uh, a, a, a equivalence of LinkedIn where states can go to hire hackers? Is this economy, yeah. it must be an enormously large and very lucrative black economy for not yeah, just and it's state t- services, t- but of course also for non-state services, even terrorists. You know, when, when I made my first investment, uh, they use this term called malware as a service. Uh, so yeah, you can, there is now like just better tools for hackers that are just, it's like an international arms market almost, um, not allegiant to one political system or another. Um, but yeah, there is, um, you know, darknet's an interesting word. I'm not, not part of it, but, um, you know, I do hear from some of uh, the top researchers that I invest in. Um, that, you know, that is definitely out there. There's, there's tools in the same way there's tools nowadays for applications to be, to be developed and uh, much more quickly, right. And, and turns in software to happen much more quickly, whether it's through open source or, you know, variety of tools and libraries, there's, there's a mirror image of that stuff for hackers and for, you know, in the, in the malware world. Um, and that's dovetailed actually quite nicely with, uh, the rise of cryptocurrencies, right? So now there's yeah, a way to get Yeah, that's what I paid. wanted to ask you is, is how much more vulnerable are we to cyber warfare with cryptocurrencies? Are they a defense or, or could they be a breach in our defenses? Well, it's a breach in the sense that it's much more difficult to, tr- you can't use the levers of a central bank or a, a payment system. As I alluded to earlier, I mean, you can't use those levers anymore. Um, when uh when developers you know i think crypto like originally was to pay not necessarily for hacking was when bitcoin first came around uh i still remember those times um and i was wondering what's the use case and the biggest use case was to actually pay software developers that were that didn't live in your country and uh where you didn't want to go through um a lot of currency controls that uh that other countries have for example we had Don Tapscott on the show a couple of years ago. He's an old friend of mine. He is perhaps the world's leading evangelist of blockchain technology. Very erudite, smart guy. Always seems to be one step ahead of everyone else. He thinks that blockchain is essentially the next internet. Is blockchain a defense against cyber warfare? Or can you... Because my understanding of blockchain mm. technology is... Um, it can't be attacked, but I assume probably you would argue it can. Uh, depend, yeah, so the, the blockchain itself, I believe, and I'm not a crypto expert, but my understanding is the way that it's designed. So there's two different aspects of it. There's the system itself, and the blockchain is a, an unchangeable ledger of transactions and the transactions. So no one can change are, that. So if it's unchangeable, right. it doesn't so matter. That can't be hacked, right? Like that's, and that's the, the verification of the transactions are crowdsourced, right? 
And as you verify the transaction, my understanding is you get kind of credit and points to get issued new cryptocurrency, um, all of which takes, of course, computing cycles. And there, there's a whole other kind of side element of that. But that that's just that's just describing the, the, the robustness of that system. That system can't be hacked. But I, I have personal friends. I know people whose own wallets. Now, the wallets can be hacked, right? Like how you have your crypto and people have hacked wallets by if they can mirror your sim card in your phone in your phone right and get around the two-factor authentication um there was recently i think it was verizon i, I don't want to i don't want to get sued one of the major telcos um had a um had sure all, the Veri- all the verizon uh, lawyers now are on to you Samir. No, 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 no. Hey, verizon att t-mobile throw them all right um yeah they they uh someone was able to mirror a phone number Right. And and then so let's just take those two things at the same time. Suppose your your passwords, uh, uh, you know, Equifax gets hacked. Right. They have enough information then to get your password from a less secure website. And then you can now use and sell that password on the black market paid by crypto. Right. And and then that password might be the same password that you use uh, in your in your crypto wallet. Right. And then on the flip side, if someone can mirror your phone or, or get that, now all of a sudden they have the two factors and you might have, uh, you know, invested $2,000 in crypto five years ago that's worth $40,000 now. And, uh, and it can be gone just like that. And there is, there is no recovery, right? That's the other thing. So the system itself can't get hacked. Like no one can hack the database, so to speak, but people can hack the wallets uh, for sure. And on the flip side, uh, it has enabled because, you know, uh, all of ransomware is paid for in crypto. You know, nobody, nobody, nobody's, you know, running a credit card. So, you know, if you, uh, if, you know, uh, it, I, I had, I remember one of my companies selling to our law firm and I definitely don't want to mention their name and get sued. Um, especially a lawyer firm, that right? I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, the, uh, this this lawyer that I had, he's like, yeah, I, I'm one of the younger guys, and I I first learned about crypto because of the ransomware attack because the older partners didn't know how to get around this, and you'd have all of a sudden, you know, attorney-client privilege, your 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 hard drive is just totally encrypted, you can't get around it, and you know the hackers asking for like twenty thousand dollars back then, maybe more now, right? You know what's that? That's uh, <laughs> not, even now. That's just twenty hours of billing for a lawyer, right? So he's like, "I need my laptop back." The firm will pay, and then uh, this guy that I knew had to, you know, kind of get smart and actually buy Bitcoin in order to to pay off just an increasing number of of ransomware yeah, attacks. I, I'm sure most people not shedding any tears for lawyers, but in all seriousness, to me, we haven't had our nine eleven yet <laughs> in cyber warfare. Yeah. I mean, what has to happen? Mm-hmm. Do ships in the San Francisco Bay need to explode? Do, do, no. do we need to have some major power outage that goes out for a week? What What is going to occur that will finally com- convince everybody that we live in this age of cyber warfare? That's a uh, great question, first of all. Uh, I, I do... I think if, if let me answer it in a different way, if one of those things occurred, yes, I think that would definitely increase the profile, right? So if the lights went out, 
right? Because of a site that hasn't happened yet. Um, and, uh, and if, but if the lights, and, and if there's a lot of reasons for that, you know, critical infrastructure, they're, they're, the systems are often separated from your IT systems. So, you know, margin HR is not going to be able to take down, you know, the power grid because she clicks on a phishing email. That's, that's highly unlikely. They're, they're totally different systems. No, but this would um, be a concerted quote unquote terrorist act. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, you know, with social engineering, right. Or, you know, inside people, cause there's, there is a combination like this. Sometimes you can have human based assets, right. That can, you know, put in a USB stick in the right place at the right time, um, or get credentials or share credentials. And I'll share you with you, uh, uh, another, uh, use case or, or story for that. But yeah, I, th I think, yeah, you know, obvious, I don't want to say the obvious. Yes, of course, if there was something which, you know, affected everyone's daily life, um, that's going to, you know, yeah, increase, I think, um, a regulatory or even a governmental push on enforcing cyber hygiene with companies. So, yes, um, I do not think, though, I think there's there's much more insidious ways as an offensive player, if you're China or Russia, or even us. I mean, I don't want to say that America is completely, I want to, you know, it's a multipolar world. I think it's going to go there. Um, but right now, like America has the majority of, of, of intellectual property. Um, and so I actually believe that the, 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 the bigger threat is um, like a silent tax on everybody that nobody knows. Right. And, uh, and you have, uh, you know, we have some of the greatest research, we have the greatest research universities in America. We have, um, you know, uh, a, a very innovation-based uh, growth economy. A lot of the growth comes from innovation. Um, and, and and that IP can be stolen. I mean, there was a, when Trump was about to do the tariffs, there was a CNBC who's no friend of Donald Trump. They had a survey and uh, one, in, one in five CEOs said that China has stolen their IP sometime in the last decade. Um, one in three CFOs had said that. So, um, you know, yeah, there's, you could take down, like, you know, that would be blunt instrument. You can take down a, you know, you can make people suffer, right? So if there was a real war and you're like, we want to make them suffer, you would potentially, yes, do a concerted terrorist attack. Um, but if, if you're just, you know, I think the, the real danger is actually, um, you know, a, a longer term uh, campaign. A longer-term campaign that uh, that steals intellectual property. What's your and feeling I, I about that... um, vigilante cyber warfare? Anonymous apparently mm -hmm. declared a cyber war against Russia. It's almost like a a religious war. Presumably, they're doing it um, to free Ukraine of the Russian invaders. But yeah. this has become a free for all. Everyone can declare war on everyone else. Well, so I think that's that was kind of my point. Like the whole point of cyber warfare is that it's undeclared. So the vigilante stuff smells to me of just PR, right? The whole point of cyber warfare is it it doesn't get news coverage. You can do bad things to an adversary without, ideally, without them even knowing, right? But even if they know, it's not enough to bubble up into the news. Um, I don't know if you know this. Remember when the FBI got hacked? Um, and uh, so so not only will I get sued, I'm probably going to go to jail now. But 
they, they, uh, this was all public, you know, the, 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 I think the HR software, the HR part of the FBI got hacked, but it, it, it ended up uh, revealing a lot of, uh, personal information, identity information, passwords of individual personnel there. Cause it was in the HR, it was in the, it was a hack of the HR thing. And I think that was driven by the Chinese government. And, um, to me, that's a really, really big deal that bubbled up, I mean, you can just Google it, uh, that bubbled up for about a week and then the news just kind of disappeared, right? But if, if, and then nobody knows the, what's the ultimate impact of that. So let's say an adversary has information on, you know, 20,000 FBI agents, okay? How do you do the attribution, right? But if you like kill one FBI agent or two FBI agents, it becomes like a huge story. So. I think that the cyber warfare is 100% the battlefield, but it's going to be very, very under the radar. I mean, I think the the smart players are going to well, do it in a way. As you say, by definition, it is. I mean, that's what cyber warfare is. It's under the radar. Radar becomes yep. an archaic, anachronistic word. Finally, Samit, mm-hmm. we're talking in the context of Biden's remarks about Ukraine. What do you think um, Russia's cyber attacks in Ukraine suggest about the future of war, uh, cyber warfare, particularly since the war also seems to reflect uh, the splinternet, what, where Wired magazine called Russia's splinternet dream, which is the breaking up of the internet into uh, national realms. When historians of cyber warfare in 30 or 40 years look back at 2022 and Russia's invasion of Ukraine, what are they going to write about? What are they going to say this was significant for? Yeah, that's uh, it, it, what you just said, the splinternet. They're going to write about that this is significant for uh, the broader move to a, a multipolar world, right? Where there's not going to be the, the systems in place, whether they were financial um standards bodies so what, what this speaks to with the internet is you know there's the ICANN, there's a standard body uh i think nominally based in switzerland but pretty much controlled by the west and the united states on uh domain names and you know why are we.com and everyone else has to be dot you know their their country um yeah i i, I think the, that people are going to write about this as a moment which highlighted and probably accelerated partially due to the United States own clumsy response, um, a shift to a multipolar world. And when I say multipolar, I'm talking about four countries, India, China, Russia, and the United States. So finally, Samir, I'm asking all my guests this. Um, on April the 1st, 2022, who runs the world? Who's in charge? Is it the hackers? It's going to be who's always been in charge. I think the bankers will be in charge still. Crypto or not. <laughs>